Are you keeping score? We are. Donald Trump and his endorsements, they work. They work. And right now, he, of course, owns the Republican Party. Everybody wants him to come back. And his seal of approval wins elections for candidates. And it looks like it's still going to win it for Dr. Raz. He's ahead. It's close. We may be in recount territory, but he's up. And of course, Donald Trump endorsed him. Donald Trump worked hard for these candidates. You saw him. We saw him. We carried the rallies. Um, who does this, by the way? What former president of the United States puts it all on the line? You know what? Nobody. They just kind of enjoy being an ex-president. Maybe an endorsement here or there once, twice a year, every other year. They make speeches. They write books. They take it easy. Not our guy. Carrie Lake, she's going to be the next governor of Arizona. I'm thrilled to announce tonight that Senator Chuck Grassley has my complete and total endorsement. He's a great governor. He loves the state, has my complete and total endorsement. Greg Abbott, Governor Greg Abbott. I want to pick somebody that's going to win, and this man is going to win. Come on up, J.D. By the way, I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. These endorsements, they're big, they're powerful, they work, and it drives the mainstream media crazy. Now, they have wanted to write this guy's political obituary since he came down the escalator seven years ago, almost. And boy, oh boy, this time they wanted all of these things to not work out. Another big test of the former president's power and sway inside the Republican Party. These coming weeks are going to be the biggest test of former President Trump's hold on the Republican Party. This will be the first big test of the night of former President Trump's endorsement power. So he passed all of those tests, which he did not have to. He basically imposed them on himself and he did it. So where are the high marks? Huh? Where are the super grades for the president? Yeah, look at that record. No. No, they're not going to do that. Of course not. No, 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 no. Yesterday's GOP primaries were a mixed bag for candidates backed by you-know-who. Not great news for Donald Trump in the North Carolina House primary. Where Trump endorsed, and I would call it a very mixed evening. So Two-thirds of Republican voters did end up casting their ballots for a candidate that Trump did not endorse. It's evident that it's not a done deal when former President Trump endorses a Republican candidate. Yeah, right. It's always half empty when they're talking about Donald Trump. They were writing that political obituary back seven years ago. Hey, ask Congressman Bud, who went from fourth place to being the nominee for the U.S. Senate in North Carolina. This is an outstanding record. All right. They want to deny it. It's there. It's in black and white. And you know what I love about this? It reminds me of President Nixon. And Nixon had a special appreciation of Donald Trump. He saw his political genius and ability all the way back in the 1980s. There they are. I think that's 1989 at a banquet in Texas. Um, Nixon was all about using popularity to achieve something. And a lot of politicians, all they wanted to achieve was re-election for themselves to get something done with your popularity. And that is what Donald Trump has done. Going out there, putting his reputation on the line. You know the fake news wants to write him off and they're watching his every move. They would have loved for this to come crashing down on him. But he cares about the country. He cares about these candidates. And he wants to make America great again. Now, 
of course, this breaks the mold of what ex-presidents are supposed to do. They're supposed to be weak and humiliated and just go home, especially after one term. Jimmy Carter, anybody? Jimmy Carter, <laughs> no, he wasn't stumping for candidates out there. Nobody wanted him around. The last one-term president we had, George Herbert Walker Bush, same for him. He just went up to Kenny Bunkport and felt sorry for himself, never really to be seen from or heard from again. And here's something wild. George H.W. Bush, 1993, last day in office was 69. Look at that, Donald Trump, 74 years old, five years older, and about 5,000 times more active going out there and campaigning like crazy for candidates. That is something else. Nobody else does it. Nobody else like him. Nobody else ever will be like him. So what are we stuck with now, of course? Yeah, him. And what's he up to? Something that you might call black exploitation. That was a phase of uh, unfortunate movies, some might say, from the 1970s. And I think Joe Biden knows something about this. Going up to Buffalo yesterday and cynically using that horrible event to achieve greater political power and to try to diminish his opposition. Really ugly stuff. Pretending that America is infused with white supremacy. It's not true, it's a lie, but he's doing it to enhance his own power or what he perceives as power. I don't think this is going to work, but he certainly is trying relentlessly. In the falsely believing that they will be replaced, that's the word, replaced by the other, by people who don't look like them and who are therefore in the perverse ideology that they possess and being fed lesser beings. I and all of you reject the lie. I call on all Americans to reject the lie. And I condemn those who spread the lie for power, political gain, and for profit. Well, that would be you, Joe Biden, pushing the lie that America is full of white supremacists. And actually, if you listen carefully, and if you've been watching, Democrats seem a little bit disturbed and a little bit excited about what people look like and the future of America and what people will look like. Conservatives, no, we care about ideas. They're fixated on the outside and what the demographics will be. In a few years, we're going to be a majority brown country. White people will not be the majority in the country anymore. This will be the first generation ever in American history uh, in which whites will be a minority of the generation at some point. As of 2007, every year, babies being born in this country, whites now are the minority. In 2044, uh, everyone is going to be a minority. As the demographics change, as white people become the minority in the country, which is coming. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny, right? The country is changing. I've been saying it here, other people have been saying it here for years now, even before Donald Trump. The demographics is destiny. The white population is declining for the first time in history in America, while the number of multiracial Americans have more than doubled. So we live in a country where the demographics are changing. It's becoming less white. Correct. Okay. You'll be announcing that we're calling the 38 electoral votes of Texas for the Democratic nominee for president. It's changing. It's going to become a purple state and then a blue state because of the demographics, because of the population growth. So they really care what people look like. 
right? The ethnicity, the skin color. Are they excited about that? Are they disturbed by it? I think a little bit of both. Um, we don't care. Conservatives don't care. This does not trouble me. I think it excites them because they'll vote a certain way. Is that their plan? I don't care and neither do you. This was one of the greatest moments of the 2020 convention, possibly any convention, when President Trump brought in all of those folks from all over the world becoming American citizens. We love it. And you know why? Because they pledge allegiance to our American values. It's all in the oath. And you know what? They have to take it a step further. I mentioned this earlier. They have to promise to take up arms for this country if called upon. Now that's something. Welcome to America. As long as you do it legally and you take the oath, absolutely. We're not disturbed by this, but he and the left falsely say, oh, we don't want people. It's so cynical, so unnecessary. Oh, and how about this? Talk about exploitation of a tragedy. Look at what this guy's going to do. This is uh, Donnie Deutsch, a fixture over on MSNBC. We get caught up in this. Make sure, almost guilt them, guilt the Republican. I can't wait to go to a dinner party this weekend and go, hey, guys, you, you okay with this whole replacement theory thing? With, oh, you're going to go to a dinner party. I'm sure you know more Republicans than Miles than I do at this point. I do, and you say to them, they go, well, it's not the No, that is the party. That's what you're voting for. You don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to say, well, I like your fiscal responsibility. No. You see the 10 people that got killed in Buffalo? You own that, okay? That's the way you got to talk to people. <laughs> the the uh, eagerness to exploit and to lie and to use this for political gain, their own political gain. This is the way you have to talk to people. You know what? That shooter, that deranged shooter had to go to the depths of the Internet during COVID to find out, the, to discover the hateful rhetoric that drove him to do what he did. The Waukesha guy, all he had to do was turn on your network, MSNBC, and be fired up about systemic racism and, and police killing men of color. The over-dramatization, the hype, the distortion. You guys, that's on you, Deutsch and your friends. How about Colorado? Nobody ever talks about Colorado. Do you remember this? It was uh, late in 2021 at the King's Supermarket near uh, Boulder, the suspect Born in Syria, by the way, came to America and had problems with a lot of people, uh, apparently Jewish people, and um, he killed 10 people, 10 individuals. They all happened to be white, and nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care. Joe Biden didn't visit. Joe Biden didn't have an angry speech about what could have motivated this individual. He just let it go. And so did the mainstream media. So did our culture. Joe Biden came to New York to deliver that horrible speech. He should come back to deliver another one about these folks who were shot in New York. <laughs> we lost 10 people in Buffalo. That's terrible. How about 15 people in New York City this past weekend because of liberal, crazy crime policies that have brought us this chaos? Chicago, how many people were shot this past weekend? 20, 27 people, 27 people. But no, that's not Joe's style. Again, it's all about his profit, his power, his gain, and defying the promise he made to all of us. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. Wouldn't it be great if it wasn't just me and a handful of other people out there 
but an entire media culture putting, connecting the dots and calling this guy out for betraying all of us, not living up to his promises. But here's what we got, the media. Just concerned with what happened eight seconds ago and what might happen eight seconds from now and getting their name out there and turning whatever silly article they wrote into a book and then hopefully into a Netflix series. They are all out for themselves. History, however, history will be able to connect the dots. They'll have the time and they'll have the resources. They'll be able to look at all this stuff. They'll be able to look at Colorado and Waukesha and say, Why did Joe go to Buffalo and not to those places? History will be the judge. Stay with us. Joe Biden, when it comes to Twitter, has very few followers that are real and YouTube views that are pathetically low. Social media companies, though, have been trying to cover this up. We'll be right back. Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? The fake news has said regarding the Buffalo shooting and the alleged shooter, you can't talk about his mental health. No, you can only talk about white supremacy. All right. That's all you can talk about. And also the conservative media and politicians that encouraged him to do this. Now, of course, it's all nonsense, that aspect of the story. And mental health, I think it is obviously relevant. Here's how relevant it is. Take a look at this individual. When he was going to high school not too long ago, wearing a full hazmat suit in high school, he had problems. And the White House out loud said, we can't talk about that because that would somehow stigmatize people. They want to drive a false horrible narrative that somehow half the country is okay with white supremacy. That is ludicrous, ludicrous and offensive. So the digital governance board that's going to monitor and tell us what is real information and not real information is fortunately, well, they put a pause on it, but we got to keep an eye on these folks because Mayorkas, and uh, this was his idea, a digital governance board, and they would be in charge of labeling misinformation and disinformation. They should stay the hell out of it. And fortunately, this individual will no longer be working for the government. Um, Nina Jankowitz resigns after facing scrutiny. Well, the scrutiny was warranted, and she doesn't uh, receive scrutiny very well. Take a look. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo and we really should take note. And not support their lies with our wallet, voice or vote. Oh, information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious. By saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet so Information's origin seems likely less atrocious. <laughs> Ooh, is right. Um, 
All right, we've seen these Mary Poppins videos. I, I, I really don't care. What I do care about, though, is when the person who's supposed to be judging what's disinformation and misinformation engages in misinformation and disinformation herself. She said the laptop was Russian uh, phony intel. She said all kinds of things that we know are wrong. Uh, there's never been any indication that Hunter Biden was involved in anything untoward. Um, and this has, you know, spun into a whole other host of of nonsense, basically, that Joe Biden withheld aid to Ukraine. There's already this idea, this allegation <clears throat> that there is anti-conservative bias on the platforms, even though there has been study after study proving, in fact, that often it's liberal voices that are being silenced, particularly minority voices um, on social media. Did you hear the part where she said Hunter did nothing untoward? Hunter Biden did nothing untoward? What about the crack and the cocaine and the, uh, the strippers and the prostitutes? That's untoward. She can't tell the truth when it comes to politics, and she can't and should not be judging the rest of us. And now that she's been fired, well, the liberal media, they feel bad for her, and they're coming to her defense. Now, this person's a real piece of work. Her name is Taylor Lorenz. She wrote something up for The Washington Post. She's their tech columnist. How the Biden administration let right-wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts, as if those disinformation efforts are somehow holistic and positive. Take a look at the story, please. It says that we on the right all harassed her and were mean. DHS employees and Capitol Hill staffers say Jankowitz was set up to fail by an administration that was unsure of its messaging and unprepared to counteract a coordinated online campaign against her. Now, the story by the Washington Post and by this Taylor Lorenz person did not mention what we just showed you, that she labeled political information that she did not like, disinformation, misinformation, when it was actually true. They really are, I think, dangerous. However, I'm not going to say they should be censored, but these are dangerous and very strange people. Here's the writer of that story. I've had to remove every single social tie. I had severe PTSD from this. I, I contemplated suicide. It got really bad. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's overwhelming. It's really hard. So I watch it carefully. I don't want you to think I'm an insensitive person, okay? She's faking it. She's not actually crying. And the behavior she's complaining about, she engages in routinely cyberbullying, doxing, putting private information in the newspaper about ordinary people. That's what she does. So her friend Nina Jankowitz will not be working for the federal government. And that is a good thing. One more time. Bullying is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. Again, knock yourself out with the goofy videos. That's not the problem. It's her having a position of responsibility. Nobody should have this position. Nobody. You couldn't. You shouldn't give it to the Pope. Nobody should be telling us in the government what is misinformation and what is disinformation. 
And nobody should be going to jail if they have a political opinion different from mine or different from yours or if, eh, listen to this. We got to watch out because the Republicans have become the purveyors of misinformation. And when our, our two-party system is broken like that, democracy is seriously in trouble. The president acknowledged that. It's time to actually start doing things and maybe taking some names and putting people in jail. <laughs> it's not the first time he's talked about this. Uh, it's a former Fox News reporter who's now gone woke talking about sending people to jail for saying things. That's wrong. And by the way, we already have laws against, you know, saying fire in a movie theater. Now, you would think a statement like this would, well, have some pushback from the anchor. No, not so much. What you, I think, just touched on, maybe inadvertently, is that where the mainstream of America is, is, is frankly where President Biden was today. Yeah. Nobody likes white supremacy. Don't blame it on Republicans and don't threaten to put them in jail. Very strange stuff. Very strange. By the way, big tech is covering for Joe Biden. We have this. How many Twitter followers does Joe Biden have? Uh, 22.3 million. Now, this is how many did Donald Trump have? 60 million, 70 million. He had many multiples of this. Turns out that. 49.3% of Biden's Twitter followers are fake, revealed with SparkToro research tool. Newsweek wrote this up. Wow, that's a lot of fake followers. They want to make him look more politically potent than he is, although there were signs of this early on. Whenever he gives a speech and they put it on YouTube, a pitifully small number of comments or likes or viewers, the State of the Union address on YouTube, Look at how many people watch that. 41,000. These are pathetically low numbers. Next, this is, well, his speech yesterday in Buffalo. Uh, how many people were tuning in in a country of 300 million? These are very low numbers. And you know what? It makes me revisit, sorry, the election. You saw it. I saw it. Donald Trump, those huge rallies, the excitement, the momentum, and Joe Biden just occasionally emerging from the basement to show up at those weird fields with the circles. And what did they say the final vote tally was? 81 million votes, more than anybody in history, more than Barack Obama. And 74 million was the, well, more votes than anybody else except Joe Biden. I still have questions, don't you? When we come back, this guy, do you remember this video? This, uh, this thug beating up an elderly gentleman in a nursing home. Well, guess who got off? Scott Free. Yeah, that guy. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. You may remember this from two years ago during the early stages of COVID. A 22-year-old man standing beats up a 75-year-old man, beats him to a pulp in a nursing home in Michigan. Tough to watch, everybody, but we have to actually take a look. Thank you. 
right. Uh, you know what? Actually, maybe we don't have to watch uh, all of this. It's tough to watch. The man uh, starts to bleed. It's very, very bad. It goes on for a long time. Now, I, I, this is disturbing. Forgive me. Well, that young man, the 22-year-old, is uh, not going to jail. He will be treated. Man who beat elderly nursing home patient on video deemed incompetent for trial. I actually have some problems with this. Uh, We heard from family members. They say this. The system is going to fail him again. He's not going to be rehabilitated. They dropped the ball. Why would they put my child in a nursing home? He was co-located there. Uh, I think the facility had an idea of who Jaden was and what type of treatment he needed. I think they knew that he was schizophrenic and it should have been handled differently. Well, to not stand trial, you have to, I believe, uh, not understand the difference between right and wrong. And no one's been able to establish that he doesn't know the difference. He does know the value of money. Here he is holding up uh, some Benjamins and some uh, lower denomination currency. I just really feel for that that elderly gentleman. It went on for 10 minutes, that B-Town. He died, by the way, a few weeks later. I'm told not from the injuries he sustained, but that's something I will never, ever forget. Also, at the Supreme Court of the United States, you saw the enhanced security there. And what are they doing that for? Well, it makes sense, quite frankly. You know, the Roe v. Wade thing and people are upset, especially pro-abortion forces, right? No. According to Axios, and they have a new memo from the Department of Homeland Security, you don't have to worry about the pro-abortion forces. It's the other side. Threats that followed the leak of a draft opinion are likely to persist and may increase leading up to and following the issuing of the court's official ruling. Now, check this out. This is what you got to worry about. Some racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists embrace of pro-life narratives may be linked to the perception of wanting to save white children and fight white genocide, right? They have to politicize this in the darkest and ugliest way and lie about those of us who are pro-life. It's despicable because I've been watching the news, maybe you have too, and it's the pro-abortion forces that have been really ugly, showing up at churches and and disturbing the peace and showing up at the homes of judges and just really nasty and sometimes violent protests. By the way, they uh, point out that uh, you are allowed to, well, let me show you this portion of it. The mere advocacy, the DHS says, of political or social positions, political activism, use of strong rhetoric or generalized philosophic embrace of violent tactics does not constitute domestic violent extremism or illegal activity and is constitutionally protected. Now, that's important. I'm actually glad they noted that. I agree with that. They should review this, maybe Merrick Garland and the FBI, and think about this when they hassle those parents at the school board meetings, right? FBI getting involved, taking names, the FBI. It's constitutionally protected. Leave them alone. Read your own memos. Stay with us. Governor Abbott of Texas will be here and Congressman Jim Jordan, two heroes. Be right back. A liberty loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to the Chris Salcedo Show 
every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. While, of course, we are preparing for the end of Title 42, based on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's decision that it will end on May 23rd, that does not mean that the border is open beginning on May 23rd. We recognize that with the end of Title 42, there very well may be an increased surge in migration. We're a nation of immigrants, and we are also a nation of laws. And we enforce the law, and we will continue to do so. The Secretary of Homeland Security, who has got to be, I'm sorry, one of the weirdest and definitely the most ineffective members of government. It's incredible. Title 42, he says, uh, repealing it will not um, open the border. The border is already open. <laughs> the border is already open. Now, Secretary Mayorkas, that's who we were just talking about, was in Texas yesterday, did not even make time or invite the governor of Texas for any talks, any consultations whatsoever. Governor Greg Abbott, Republican of Texas, joins us right now. I find that to be um, an intolerable oversight. Are you taking it personally or professionally? Uh, not, not at all. But what I do take personally and professionally are the lies that he just articulated in that single statement. We all know that the border has been open. And for him to get up and, to, and tell his fellow Americans uh, that the, the border is not open, of course, is a joke, but also it's a lie. But also he's made another statement in there, and that is uh, we're a nation of laws, which we are. However, he, Secretary Mayorkas, is not enforcing those laws. President Biden is not enforcing those laws. And that's why states like Texas are left to grapple with the problems caused by President Biden's open border policies. Can you break it down for us? I get a little bit confused on Title 42. It's a COVID restriction. It goes out of effect, and a lot of folks, even Democrats, wanted it extended. How does it work now, and what's going to change, say, on Tuesday? So as you point out, both Republicans and Democrats support continuing Title 42. Title 42 is a health care standard uh, where President Trump uh, denied the admission uh, of illegal immigrants into the state of Texas uh, based upon the health standard of, of COVID. Uh, and President Biden uh, has just as much latitude as President Trump did to maintain that standard. However, President Biden wants to lift it. What the Biden administration has said is if they lift the Title 42 that President Trump put in place and is scheduled to be lifted next Monday, if it is lifted, they expect 18,000 illegal immigrants to come across the border a day. Do the math on that. It means more than 6 million a year, about half of whom would be coming into the state of Texas. Our largest city, Houston, has about 3 million residents. We would be having a, about a Houston come across our border every single year. We're talking about total chaos caused by the Biden administration. And why is that? Now, let's take a look at Mayorkas again. Uh, he seems to be very shifty, evasive. He's an oddball. Uh, perhaps he's in a very difficult position. Maybe the Biden administration wants these people in. Let's take a look at him if we can. I think we have video of Mayorkas. I am fascinated by his continued denial and also the outright lies that he's told. You just mentioned what is the Biden administration's motive here? I mean, why do they want these people coming in? What do you really think is going on? So, Greg, very importantly, Americans need to realize what I'm about to say, and that is this is this was and is Biden's strategy all along. Go back in time during the presidential debates uh, when Biden 
Kamala Harris and all the other candidates for office, uh, including Beto O'Rourke here in Texas, uh, they talked about having open border policies. Uh, and they, they told us what was coming, and we've seen the disaster of the open border policies. So Americans are now having to grapple with what President Biden promised to begin with. They want the, the tidal wave of illegal immigration coming into the United States of America. They want to not enforce the laws that have been passed by Congress. And that's exactly why you've seen some Republicans in Congress start working on impeachment proceedings that could occur uh, if the Republicans take control of the United States Congress. You know, there are some things you say in a crazy left-wing primary, and then you run in the general, and you're supposed to temper some of those positions, and they didn't. I still don't understand what they think they're getting out of this. Perhaps votes, perhaps cheap labor. Take a look at Mayorkas also, and this is an issue you're we're all dealing with uh, the, I don't know, the phantom of white supremacy, I call it. Take a look. The greatest terrorism-related threat that we face in the homeland is the threat of domestic violent extremism. <laughs> Individuals drawn to violence because of ideologies of hate or false narratives propagated on social media and other online platforms. And the most prominent um, threat is the threat of white supremacists. Sir, you've been in government uh, and law enforcement for a long time. And I understand what happened in Buffalo, but I also understand what happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I also understand what happened in Colorado. I also understand mass shootings have become all too common. And there are a lot of factors that go into that. Nobody in law enforcement that I know has been able to back up what he's saying about white supremacy. What do you think the answer is and why is he saying what he's saying? He's pushing the Biden agenda, but what we all know, uh, and that is the, the, the bigger threat, uh, is the refusal by governments, whether it be the federal government, state governments or local governments, the refusal to enforce the rule of law. Just look at the smash and grab operations you guys probably put on TV every night occurring in Chicago or New York. And look at what's happening in, in Los Angeles and San Francisco and Portland and Seattle. The, the list goes on. Every single one of these cities where you see uh, a massive increase in crime, you see a diminishment of law enforcement, uh, a defunding of law enforcement, a de uh, an abandonment of the rule of law. You have to have people who will enforce the laws. That starts with law enforcement. And it means abandoning uh, the, the Democrats' approach to defunding police. It means supporting our law enforcement officers to make our community safe. Hey, on law enforcement officers, can you give us an update? Because we've heard conflicting word or no word from the federal government on those Border Patrol officers who were doing the very essence of Border Patrol on horseback. They were vilified by the <clears throat> president of the United States. My understanding is, though, they cannot be prosecuted for anything. They may still be in some administrative trouble. These guys did nothing wrong. What is your understanding of where things stand now? I recognize that they don't work for you. These are federal employees. But can you please uh, share with us? It's, listen, Greg, it's largely what you articulated, and that is, is my understanding that legally uh, these officers have been cleared. Uh, but, it, but they are being left in limbo by the Biden administration, which is uh, completely wrong, because we need every Border Patrol officer we can get on the border. There, there are fewer Border Patrol officers uh, per immigrants coming across the border than I think ever. And it's reprehensible that the Biden administration is not uh, allowing these enforcement officers to go do their job on the border. But I'll repeat here what 
I've said before, if, if any of those Border Patrol officers have adverse action taken against them, uh, my offer still stands from the state of Texas. We will hire you, uh, and we, as a state, uh, will put you back to work on the border doing you, the job that you wanted to do, which is to secure our border. Governor Abbott, we appreciate it so much. Final thoughts, final word, anything I should have asked you that I didn't, sir? Just Texas, as we speak right now, is gearing up uh, to prepare for the lifting of Title 42. Uh, we've activated a uh, border operations center uh, uh, that's going to be run by a Texas Ranger. Texas uh, will step up where the federal government has failed America. Don't mess. Don't mess with Texas, they say. And, uh, well, we love you guys. Thank you, Governor Abbott, so much. To be continued, and we'll be right back. Good luck on Monday. So this is January 6th, uh, the ellipse right outside the White House. You see anything wrong with this? Of course not. They came to hear President Trump and other speakers speak. And you're allowed to do that in America. But if you work for the FBI or perhaps another portion of government, you may have found yourself in a lot of trouble. Uh, some FBI agents may have been at that peaceful congregation and be in a lot of trouble right now. Congressman Jim Jordan sent a letter to the FBI director. Uh, look, take a look at this. While FBI employees may not participate in partisan political campaigns, FBI employees do not give up their rights to engage in political speech activity. The FBI appears to be retaliating against employees for engaging and political speech disfavored by FBI leadership. Thank goodness we've got Congressman Jim Jordan in Congress, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Welcome back, Congressman. How are you? I'm doing fine, Greg. Good to be with you. Terrific. By the way, whistleblowers came to you with this information that people who did nothing yeah. wrong, who worked for the FBI, are now in trouble? Yep. No, no, it's called the First Amendment. You're allowed to. And, and understand the facts here, Greg. They were, uh, it wasn't while they were on duty, so there's their, their day off. They go with their spouse. Um, they, they didn't go into the Capitol. They just were engaged in being at a, at a political rally with President Trump speaking. So they didn't go in the Capitol. The FBI has not charged them with anything, has not interviewed them, has not done anything other than take away their security clearance. And everyone knows that when you when you that's the first step in a termination process when you work at the FBI. So one of these individuals was a 20 year veteran in our military, has worked at the FBI for 10 years and is being, I believe, targeted by someone in leadership at the FBI. Uh, what are they actually saying they did wrong? I mean, how do you get them in trouble? As you point out in the letter, you may not participate in a political campaign, but you are still allowed to attend events like this. They weren't. This is constitutionally protected. So what are they what are they actually specifically saying to these guys? That's what we don't know. That's why we sent the letter. We want to get answers. Uh, God bless them for coming to us and telling us their situation. Uh, they, they talked with our staff. We checked that out as best we could. And that's why we sent the letter. We'd like to know. But I think the, the big takeaway here is and you know this, Greg, you talk about all the time. This is part of a broader pattern. It's targeting people that don't share the same political beliefs, as we said in our letter, that the left, the people who run the bureaucracy and run the Biden administration, the, the beliefs that they have. I mean, we, we've seen it with parents. 
I mean, for good, we had whistleblowers come forward and tell us what's happening to moms and dads who showed up at school board meetings. You see it time and time again. You saw it with the IRS 10, 12 years ago when they went after conservative folks. You saw it with the FBI five years ago when they targeted the Trump campaign. Um, I think it's the motivation behind this whole disinformation board that they're, they're saying no to now, but they started. Uh, it's all about going after your political enemies, and it's weaponizing the government against we, the people. It's as wrong as it gets and so inconsistent with how America is supposed to operate and how our Constitution is supposed to function. Can we talk about the FBI for our final minute? I mean, what do we do about them? At one point, it was the most prestigious name in law enforcement yeah. in the world. And now, yeah. you know, leadership, all these mistakes, the politicization, FBI does not conjure honor. It does not conjure integrity, the, 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 the letters. What do you think should be done overall? Well, I do think uh, the vast majority of the agents are good people who believe in the same things you and I believe in, your viewers believe in, they, they believe in the greatness of the country. I think it's always been problems at the top of that organization, the, 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 the Andy McCabe's, the Jim Comey's, the Peter Strzok's, the Lisa Page, those individuals, I think that's where the problem has been. Uh, but any, you're, you're right, though. Anytime you have a attorney general who issues a memorandum to say, set up the snitch line on parents, and then you have senior people at the FBI who send out an email uh, talking about putting a threat tag designation on parents, that's a problem with, the, with the, the people at the top. So that's what has to change. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to change until President Trump runs and wins again. Yes, indeed. Amen to that. Congressman Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio, we appreciate it once again, sir, to be continued, and we'll be right back. This is Carrie Lake, former anchor woman running for governor of Arizona. And boy, oh boy, the fake news can't fool her. She tapes all of the interviews the fake news does with her. She has the evidence. Take a look at what happened not too long ago. I offered my border policy to the Arizona Republic. Your management refused to take it unless I took out the word invasion which tells me that you guys are on the side of the cartels. Well, then why did you agree to do an interview? Because you've been pestering me. That's true. You've been pestering so, me nonstop. Because the only discussion that the Arizona Republic is interested in is a far-left discussion. And Stacy, you've been here 10 months. You don't understand Arizona. I'm, I'm sorry to say that. I'm out with the people every day. I'm out with hundreds of people every day, thousands of people some days. They're fed up at what's happening at our border. Why are I you, appreciate your time. Why we, are you we, we, gave you one, we gave you one more question. You answered, asked the question. We've given you probably, what, five or ten minutes longer? I appreciate your time. But I'm, I'm really prepared for another hit piece from the Republic. The good news is our polling is showing that every day you guys write a hit piece on me or every week, and it's not sticking because the good people of Arizona, who I have a relationship with, and I've had a relationship with for 27 years, are not buying the garbage that you guys are peddling. I don't it's understand biased. why you it's are biased. attacking my, you know, having lived here a short period of time. This is a state of newcomers. Lots of people are from. But I'm just saying, Stacey, you don't understand what the people of Arizona want. You don't understand the people because you haven't had a relationship like I have for 27 years. And you're here at 10 months acting like you know what the people of Arizona want when it comes to the border. The people of Arizona want a secure state. The people of Arizona want to make sure their kids don't get their hands on drugs. The people of Arizona want to make sure that the cartels no longer have operational control of our border. And we will, when I am governor, take back control of our border. 
We will finish President Trump's wall. We will send our Arizona National Guard down to the border, and we will arm them. We're not going to let people over. And when we find people, we're going to send them back. Kerry Lake for governor. Wow, Stacy, that was tough on you, but Carrie Lake, keep an eye on her. Governor, now, who knows what's next? Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. Stinchfield's next.